Warning, this episode of the Seriously Wrong podcast was recorded, edited, produced, uploaded, and downloaded by you completely without the use of any technology. So, anarcho-primitivists, this one's, this one's for you. It's a perfect, pristine, technology-less episode. We did it for you. Perfect and pristine, just like the state of nature before humans started mucking around. Consciously planning for the future. You don't need technology to do anything good, and we proved it by producing this episode without any of it. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Seriously Wrong Podcast. I am a co host, Sean. And I'm Aaron. I don't have a title, I'm just co host Sean above, and, and Aaron. Above the whole title game. <laughs> just the human Above being. and below, kind of surrounding it. I exist. Mm-hmm. as all titles simultaneously yeah I, I get really fixated on my role and like unless i know my role i can't function because <laughs> if i'm just sean then i'm going to start thinking about like my childhood what are my deep motivate yeah don't don't get me started yeah no that's true i do have to like put you in your role and it's kind of my role in a way one of my many roles my yeah so i'm the co-host he's kind of a sean minder keep you in a little uh pen a so little you post so where you play productively i provide you with tools to help you you know do something useful mm-hmm. yeah instead of just flailing just having a temper tantrum pounding the ground screeching because you know food isn't in your mouth and like mm-hmm. why why yeah and then there's a big problem with me like when i'm upset i have a hard time conveying what it is that's making me cry uh, so aaron has to kind of guess like do you want right do, do you want food do you want food do you need a little back rub what's going on um <laughs> but as long as i stay in the co-host box I realize what is acceptable and it's not. Yeah, he's like, co-hosts need to eat food before they record so they have energy. So he knows to go eat some food before recording. Yeah, it it works out great. Anyway, thank you all uh, for listening. Welcome to the show. We have a great one coming up. We got a question from a listener and we're going to answer it. And music, theme song music now. wrong is brought to you by indoor plumbing indoor plumbing will take the shit from your house to outside your house so your house isn't full of shit because you have to shit almost every day and we all have to shit almost every day but technology's got your back because technology the broad concept that will save us will take your shit from your house and take it far far away so you don't have to think about it anymore now your shit is someone else's problem indoor plumbing Today's proud sponsor of the Seriously Wrong Podcast. So we got a question on our uh, digital answering machine. It's a place where listeners can ask questions. Uh, you can either go on the Seriously Wrong website, srslywrong.com, 
go to the contact page and leave a message there or also on our Facebook page you can leave a message there and ask us a question and then we'll sometimes answer it on the show or get back to you so yeah we've got a great question so uh, roll the clip (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey roll the clip Jeffrey Jeffrey don't give me that look roll the clip it's not cute it's a little cute, but we, need you to roll we, the clip. we do need you to roll the clip. Not impressing me, Jeffrey. This this is not good. You're gonna roll it, or do I have to roll it? I think you better just roll it. Jeffrey's not not in a good place. Jeff, <laughs> fucking Jeff. Hey, wrong boys. I have a question. It seems like with climate change and inequality and stuff, the world is just getting worse and worse. I was wondering if you think technology can save us, or is techno optimism just naive utopianism? Can technology save us? Can technology save us? I think we got to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, right now we're at the top. And over the course of the next hour, the wrong boys are going to dig deeper and deeper until the wrong boys are at, at the, the bottom, bottom of this. So I, I think the shortest answer I have is no technology itself isn't going to be an active agent in the world and save us. The, the framing of the question of like, can technology save us? puts the agency in the technology and it's like can technology be the jesus who comes down from heaven and says like you're all absolved of your sins i will i will repair all the problems that exist in the world like natural disasters and human created strife and like i am here technology as god to save you all so no technology isn't going to do that Mm-hmm. But if we want to fix all those things, because you know nobody else is going to, we're going to need to use technology to do that. So like technology, well, like we can save ourselves using technology. And without technology, there's pretty much very little hope for us. So, so it's like, it's essential. It's at the heart of wanting to fix things like climate change or basically every other disaster that may befall us <laughs> we need to we need to use extensions of our bodies because without technology we're just like naked creatures running around with rocks and trees and like there's just, there's just not a lot you can get done <laughs> without technology uh, my short you know elevator pitch answer to the question can technology save us is yes it can technology has saved us repeatedly already um, it's not a blank check for, like Aaron is saying, it's not some sort of magical sprinkling everyone gets saved thing. But I mean, just, we did, t- yeah, it's, it's, it can save us. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> technology can save the crap out of us, saves us all the time. We live in climates that we can't live in without technology, like coats. Yeah. But also, I think crucially, the distinction between, us as the subject and technology as this outside thing is is the root of the confusion over this issue because technology is us human use of technology goes back since before everything that we know like the human experience the evolutionary process that has created modern humanity like technology has been part of the equation for a really really long time um, like using yeah, tools what, and part of what makes us human. Exactly. Yeah. So in, in that sense, the technology is us. So the question is, 
can we save us? And my answer is absolutely yes, we can. Yeah, that that understanding that you just pointed out is how we can both give opposite answers, but still be in pretty much complete agreement about this, like the yes and no answers. Because like when you think about something as simple as like, I made breakfast this morning. If I make that statement, I made breakfast this morning. Like, it's true. I cut up some veggies and I cracked some eggs and I put them in a pan and I turned on the heat and I cooked them and I put some spices on them. But like, did I do that? Or did like the gas stove cook the food? Did the knife cut the vegetables? Mm -hmm. Did the uh, transportation systems of the world that brought the spices that came together to be in the spike spice mix I threw on it, like make that food? Like I, I made breakfast in a sense. That's one level of analysis is that I made the breakfast. But another level of analysis is that all kinds of different people and technologies came together in exceedingly complex ways that we can't even fully grasp to make this breakfast for me or with me. So yeah, they're not easily separable at all. The framing of the stove just is interesting because it's like, don't be so naive. Stoves can't cook you dinner. Why does all the all these idiots think that stoves are just going to cook them dinner? Don't you realize <laughs> that humans have to cook their own dinner? It's, there's more than just stoves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's two opposite ways of looking at the same thing. But it's like without a stove, cooking dinner is pretty fucking hard. Like without any technology, it's like you got to start a fire somehow or like find fire. And <laughs> it's a fucking mess that I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> finding fire yeah waiting for lightning to strike and then like trying to approach these forest fires and like take a little bit with you to somewhere safe i don't know that's technology baby yeah even that's like a sort of technology and we shouldn't have like a blindly naive utopian idea of technology under this current socio-political economic framework like this international neoliberal capitalism uh, mixed with these political organs that have been in many cases hijacked by rent seeking um, and other forms of corruption we shouldn't have a utopian idea of technology under the existing circumstances like oh don't worry it's all going to be taken care of no work needs to be done but at the same time we shouldn't underestimate the liberatory emancipatory potential of technology uh, we shouldn't underestimate how much technology is going to contribute to our liberation and we shouldn't underestimate the potential that human beings can save ourselves technology can save us i mean we can save us technology is us we shouldn't underestimate that yeah, the the one thing that the like if we wanna if we wanted to draw a clear distinction between humans and technology, the one thing that the stove can't do at all that I that comes one hundred percent from me and not from the stove is the goal of I want to make eggs with some veggies like that that aim that thing that I set out as my what I wanted for breakfast. And the, the, the moral question of should I make eggs with some yeah, veggies? Yeah, or like <laughs> what should I head towards? Those those moral questions, those value questions are things that come from us and technology is going to help us get there to whatever that there is that we decide we want to go to because it's this amplifier of potentials. And so the 
thing that's going to save us is our ability to articulate where we want to go and then technology and us working together to get there. I was watching the the news today. Did you see that guy actually killed a baby with a hammer? Yeah, yeah. It's terrible fucking tragedy. I mean, the amount of hammers around now, it's it's not sustainable. It's just, it's fucked up, really. Like, you think about how much damage you can do to a person with a hammer. It's like, should we even have hammers? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Thank you. This is what I've been saying for so long. It's like, what is the excuse for having hammers? Like, what is the reason? It just makes no sense. You can hurt, you could kill a baby with it? That's fucked. Yeah, you could kill an adult with a hammer, like, pretty easily. Just bash him on the head a few times, like, come up on them from behind with a hammer and bash him on the head. You can kill him. A well-placed hammer shot could blow up a car. When are we going to get together and abolish the hammer once and for all? Just make it done. How much is too much? Killing a baby. That ripped from the headlines. It's like one end is like this bludgeon that you can use to just smash things in. And then the other end is this fucking like pointed hook that you could like oh, imagine just like someone like jamming that thing into your teeth and like ripping back out. Like it's not pleasant. Mm-hmm. And then the handle is made to be held by a human. There's just no ambiguity there. It's made to be held by humans. It's meant to be welded. It's meant to be weld, wielded. It's meant to be wielded by people. And I think that says it all. Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. It's... Can we return to like the old days when there was no hammers? Infant mortality must have been much lower back then. I haven't checked the stats, but I'm pretty sure infant mortality was much lower. We'll just take all the hammer-related deaths out. That's a lowering of infant mortality. Call me a dreamer, but I think... um, I think the world before hammers was better and we can return to it. It is possible. We can save those babies' lives and we, we can make sure that never again will a baby be hit with a hammer. Every time I see a baby walking down the street, not, you know, head bloodied and battered and smashed in by a hammer, I am just like, ah, oh, kid, you know, you're fucking lucky. And I hate to say, I also think taking time bomb. Yeah. Maybe you'll make it to adulthood, maybe, but it's far from a guarantee with all these hammers in the world. I could, anyone, a a child, a 10-year-old child could go into a hardware store right now, say, I want to buy this hammer, I saved up my pennies, and, you know, just go and bludgeon babies. Yeah. Please, I'm going crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And they'd still probably sell it to them. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, that's weird, but here you go. The almighty dollar, you know? Yeah, that's the other problem. Hammers just create a cultural climate that allows for capitalist exploitation to take place. Yeah, my personal theory of overthrowing capitalism is that hammers are like a keystone. And once we abolish the hammer, everything Mm -hmm. else will fall into place. That's what um, Soviet Russia did wrong. Like, they were all about the hammer hammer and sickle. Yeah. Like, we haven't even talked about sickles and what those things can do. But, like... Putting that on your flag, it's like, okay, are you really anti-capitalist? Are you really about helping people live better lives? One step forward, two steps back, Soviet Russia. Yeah. Keeping the hammer. Yeah, Uh, and not even just keeping it, but glorifying it. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Weird. That's wrong. Not real communism. Mm, That's evil. People wonder why Stalin did what he did. Um, So I think that just the evidence shows that technology is pretty fucking cool and good. And it does lots of great stuff. Yeah, it's already saved us from a lot of things, like just the cruelty of the cold or even the cruelty of the heat. Yeah, and actually, I would say cruelty is really, really central 
to my understanding of technology as liberatory because I feel like the world, as we're saying, is a, it can be a cruel place. And technology has been one of the biggest... Technology In, insulators been, yeah, again, it, against that cruelty. We, we've saved so many human beings from the experience of cruelty already. So like, for example, it, it would be um, palliative care. Like when people are dying, the abolition of unnecessary pain is a, is a super great goal. But we found ways to, using anesthetics and existing technology, save people from the cruel experience of living in pain. And I think that's just incredible. And it's, it's something that you, sh- you shouldn't sleep on. Don't, don't sleep on the abolition of cruelty because technology is working on that in, in so many different ways. So yeah, some like existing technologies that have changed the world, the printing press, the internet, smartphones, these are really significant. Like it's kind of invisible. It, it falls into the background now because you're used to it. But what's actually happening is fucking amazing. Yeah, the idea that we invented a way to encode our thoughts via spoken language or encode our spoken language into little symbols and scribble them down on paper and and send them to each other. And then we figured out, okay, well, we don't have to actually scribble it out every single time. We can just mass reproduce this if we create you know a piece of metal and dip it in ink and then push it against the paper a whole bunch of times and now these thoughts that this one person scribbled down one time can be reproduced thousands of times hundreds of thousands of times and sent out across the world is this amazing ability to amplify thought and to extend the reach of our communications But even things like phones and like going back to the cruelty of existence, say you're a parent and your child is away from you for some reason. They're off doing something else with the phone, especially with cell phones, but even with like, say they're at their friend's house before cell phones and you can call their friend's house and check up on them. You have this amazing ability to, even though you are, physically so far from them that you cannot communicate via your voice, able to make this connection via these wires and this incredibly intricate system that was built up and say, hey, are you you okay? You're coming home in about an hour? And he's like, yeah, we're just doing this thing that's fun and I'm having a great time and I'll see you soon. And you're like, great. And then you're not worried anymore. That's the kind of thing that we take for granted that is completely revolutionary and is saving people from worry, from pain. This seems like if we're talking about communications technology, I can imagine someone saying like, oh yeah, it's, it's pretty nice to have all human knowledge at my fingertips at all times. But <laughs> is that really going to like save us from climate apocalypse, domination of human beings over other human beings? Is that going to liberate us from hierarchy? Is that going to, is that, is that going to... Well, is a toaster going to liberate us from all hierarchy? Like, you know, the phones aren't necessarily, the internet isn't necessarily designed to end climate change. Like the, <laughs> the aim of the internet wasn't like, oh, if we connect all these computers together, climate change will be over. Yeah, but there's, there is dozens of people right now thinking along the lines of how can I 
connect phones to ending climate change? What's the intersection here? How can we like that brainstorming is happening right now? Yeah, <laughs> and, and all that brain, a lot of that brainstorming is happening using these technologies. People call each other on the phone. They share their research papers online with each other. They, they can check citations, gain information. They can email each other. Like the, the people who are working on fixing the problem of climate change are all using communications technologies in order to do that more efficiently and more effectively. And what they're doing to fix the climate change problems all involves technology. Like there was that kid who invented this thing to pull plastic out of the oceans, like a fake shoreline kind of thing, because a lot of plastic washes up on shorelines. And he noticed that and he was like, hey, if we could make a thing that was kind of like a shoreline that animals wouldn't get caught up in because, you know, animals don't tend to beach themselves that often. Um, but was able to collect plastic in the same way. We could set these things up in the ocean and they would collect plastic and then we can get rid of it. And yeah, that's just one thing that's like is being produced and it is happening, but it, it's the wrong question to say, can phone save us from climate change? Cause in one sense, the answer is yes. Like they're part of the solution there. They're being actively used in the solution and part no, because the the aim of phones was to communicate, not to, take carbon out of the atmosphere yeah and to and to be fair and not, i don't want to be totally one-sided here phones are contributing to climate change the mining operations are also contributing to cruelty it's complicated when you're talking about process of creating phones in the real world and i just want to acknowledge that but i also want to just skirt right on by that i, I want to talk about some existing technologies that have made really, really significant gains fighting climate change, but also fighting cruelty. Technology that's used in hospitals really commonly that reduces infant mortality. That's like incubators, there's breathing machines for sometimes, I can't remember what it's called, but sometimes when babies are born, they can't breathe correctly. But if they're hooked up to a breathing machine, which I also can't remember the name of, they will learn to breathe within a, a couple of days or weeks of being born. And then they live normal, happy lives after that. Right. But right. if we lived in a pre-technological society, if your baby's born not breathing, well, that's a dead baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you reduce infant mortality, then you're going to reduce the amount of infants being born in general. Because in areas of the world where infant mortality is high, families tend to be larger because they want to hedge their bets. Um, and in right. areas where infant mortality is very low, among other things, the rate of reproduction is much smaller, which uh, contributes to fighting overpopulation. And along those same lines, another technology that we take for granted, maybe don't even think of as a technology, is condoms, birth control, IUDs, the pill, uh, th that whole spectrum of things that allow people to have all the fun of having sex with significantly less of the effect of having sex, which is reproducing <laughs> and producing more babies. Yeah, which also opens up another like area of which technology has literally saved so many people and these people being women from a lot of the oppression of the kinds of systems that grew up in a world that had less technology. So like you were saying, condoms, IUDs, uh, the birth control pill, those things like very literally liberated women from the situation of being pregnant when they don't want to be and 
having a lifelong responsibility thrust on them without their choice. And other technologies, labor-saving devices like washing machines, dishwashers, like when women were just housewives, these technologies saved them from so much of the really, really hard work that they were doing for no pay with very little thanks or recognition for in society. So technology, I think, has very specifically done a lot to save women from negative situations that in the past were their their lot. Yeah, and sort of tangentially related, I think sex toys have been pretty liberatory for everyone. Like, why do you have to go through all of the hard process of dating just to masturbate when you could get a dildo or a fleshlight and just, boom, get it done. You think men are trash? No problem. Just get a vibrator. Boom. Yeah. Lo- Liberated. Lo- lots of women can't have orgasms without using a vibrator. So they've been saved from a life free from orgasms by oh the invention God. of a vibrator. Could you imagine living an entire life and never having an orgasm? Yeah. Like it's hard for men to imagine because we just like, it just happens. Yeah, technophobes are such misogynists. They like a technophobe literally hates the idea of a woman having an orgasm. Yeah. They just, if you're technophobic, what you're actually saying, if you're saying like, Technology is bad. Like primitivism. Basically what you're saying is, oh, I think a certain percentage of women should never experience orgasms. That's yeah. morally right. <laughs> it's terrible. But yeah, oh. there's fucking so many things like powered engines, just electricity, like all the invisible technology <laughs> around us that exists that underpins other technologies. It's like, are we creating a podcast or are these microphones powered by a computer, uh, powered by um, the technology grid around us and like the, the, the silicon systems inside the computer? computer and the i have no idea how fucking microphones work there's something in here that takes the sound of my voice and turns it into electricity and shoots it into the computer and now it looks like a little blooby wave on the screen that i can tell my voice is going in there it's like just fucking baffling to me and it's so complex and just layers of things that built on top of each other from this first invention of of you know engines and then using engines to create electricity and just it's it's fucking mind-boggling how much technology has already saved us. So our, our voices, our vibrations are vibrating some sort of like diaphragm inside this microphone. And then that's converted by the computer into a sequence of ones and zeros that is encoded to be interpreted by audio listening programs, MP3 players, computers, etc. And then we upload that on a server in the United States once a week. And then thousands of people around the world, including like in Germany, in Australia, people that we would never meet, never have the opportunity to see or know, download that collection of ones and zeros that is created by our vocal cords vibrating a diaphragm and then from that they get ideas that they they carry in their life (laughs) and they're like oh i disagreed with this one i did agree with this one uh maybe i'll talk about it with someone so like the amount of social influence that human beings can have aided by technology it's, it's just i don't know that's fascinating and like if i didn't have the internet i don't know what person i would be you know like oh yeah i've been on the internet a lot since i was 12 yeah yeah i got i got the internet at home when i was 13 and i was like holy shit i like the first thing was downloading music and south park episodes and burning cds like i just remember being like i can make a cd 
with any songs I want on it. Like literally any songs I want. I don't have to buy like... Some people think technology can't save us. Now (laughs) three with like, you know, some songs I like and some songs I don't. Or like you buy an album by an artist, you only like two songs on it. I was like, oh my God, I can just pick all the best songs. I mean, like this was fucking mind blowing to my 13 year old self. And track five is a bunch of funny Cartman quotes just all in a row. (laughs) Because that's what I like. I just recently found my... DeviantArt profile that I registered in 2003. Oh, over 7,000 forum posts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. Between 2003 and 2005, when I migrated to something awful forums, seven fucking thousand posts. Jesus Christ. Who the person I am was today. shaped by all that socializing that you did. Yeah. yeah. No, and I, I remember vaguely, like I had friends, like internet friends on DeviantArt. It wasn't like we talked on the phone or on... Right, but you would circle Emmett. each other in threads and like talk back and forth. And, yeah, and like joke tweet and you'd know each other, you had reputations. It's so yeah. weird to think about now because I was like a child. This is formative. Yeah. It's, it's, if there, if it weren't for the internet, if the internet was just dropped all of a sudden in 2017 on us and we started doing a podcast now i have no idea what the podcast would be like it'd probably be really dumb and bad we would be completely different people um dad i i've got an announcement oh great here let's have a seat on the couch in our house that we share my adult son who still lives with me uh, i always look forward to your announcements whenever something's new going on in your life first of all thanks for your support going in that's really meaningful to me it's going to help me to express myself in an open space without I, fear of criticism. I and, always try to support you in everything you do, every decision you make. So. I'm I'm behind you. Uh, my announcement is just looking at the state of things in the world. I think things are getting pretty bad. Like I was just reading this news story about a guy hitting a baby with a hammer and it was just it was like the last last straw for me um, right. to see technology used that way. It's just so intrinsic to technology. So I just want to renounce all technology. I'm going to live in the forest like we previously did as hunter-gatherers, start a new life. Well, I'm going to be sad to see you go. You've lived with me your entire life from when you were a child to now that you're an adult, my Mm -hmm. son. But I support you in this decision because it's your decision and you're my son. Um, So just one question is that, you know, hunter-gatherers did use some technologies. You know, some of them had invented bows and arrows, various tools for cooking or, or for clothes for themselves. Just be clear, are you renouncing all of those technologies as well? You'll be hunting with your bare hands? Because you say it's hmm. intrinsic to all technology. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess here, I'll, I'll take off my glasses now. You can you can have these. I, don't, I won't be needing them okay, where I'm going. Here. Well, I'll, ju- I'll just, you know, to show my support for you, I'm going to smash these glasses right now yeah, on the table. Do. Just break them. That's perfect. Leads to another question, like when you're out there. Because, I mean, like it's summertime right now. It's pretty nice out here. But I'm imagining since you're not going to have any technology, which includes, obviously, all the clothes you're wearing right now. Maybe you should take those off, by the way. Yeah, no, I will. Hey, you recognize from when I was born, Dad? Well, it looks a little bit different, but... Uh, I'm an adult now, but I'm naked just like when I was born. A couple more months and uh, all that hair's going to grow back in. I see I see that you've been shaving, but, mm-hmm. you know... It's, yeah, uh, I was really caught in this technology-centric technology, yeah. culture. One good thing, the soles of your feet will become much thicker when you're just walking 
into the woods. Like very soon, you'll get calluses. And I was thinking I would um, drive over there or get dropped off just to get me there. It kind of like seems I, against your values. Like just if I'm hearing your values right, I want to support you in in achieving them. In in no, you're right, Dad. And it's, I appreciate you supporting my values and, and helping me with this because it is a little bit lonely here on the right side of history sometimes. Because people are so obsessed with their phones, they don't even think about this stuff. I guess what I should do is to walk naked from here in Canada down to at least probably the southern United States, yeah. maybe even further, just yeah. to keep safe. Yeah, stay warm at night. Mm-hmm. It also sounds like a lonely life, being nude in the forest. Yeah. Um, well, I was kind of thinking that I'd take a little while to leave and like prepare, maybe bring a tent, blankets. Can't really think of any preparations you could do that wouldn't involve technology. So even being in this house is kind of a violation. Yeah. Of yeah. what I now realize is true. So shit, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe this is goodbye. You just got to walk out this door right now. Mm-hmm. You just start heading south, I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. the only moral thing to do is a nude walk south. Yeah. Avoid the police until you hit the woods because... You know what it is? It's because they're afraid. If I start walking nude south, yep. the cops, yeah, they're going to try to arrest me. The whole society is going to try to arrest me because they're afraid because they know because of what it means, the truth. What yeah, you mean. they can see that, oh, someone's renouncing technology. Someone sees through our lies. Someone sees through our cultural lies. And I'm too strong. I'm too smart. I'm too great for the society because I understand moralities and no one else does. Everyone else is crazy. I'm the only sane person, naked, walking south Mm -hmm. to be moral. And then they're going to try to arrest me and put me in a cage um, to protect others, to protect me, so people don't have to look at my naked body. No, they're afraid that I represent a change to their techno-centric values. And that's this is getting me fired up. You know what? I'm going to go, Dad. Yeah, I think you should because, you know, I'm proud of you, but like every minute you spend here with me is a violation of those values. So, and, you know, the last time I was naked like this, Dad, was also a time that we cut a cord. We cut that cord on that first day and said, no, there's not going to be a fleshy connection from my son's stomach to inside my wife's vagina anymore. We're going to end that. Yeah. And this is just the same. Techno society is like the inside of mom's vagina. Sure, it's comforting, and sure, it's got me to where I am today. I don't want to stay there forever. And the only way that I'm going to be free is if we cut the cord and I leave right now. Start walking south, nude, figure out the morals from there. Is caves a technology? I don't know yet. Is finding a concave rock a technology to collect berries? I don't know. Does it count as technology if I wrap myself in some animal skin to not die of cold? I think it is. I'm not sure. I'm the other type of stuff you figure out on the road. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you too. And I'm never going to see you again. Yeah. It's sad, but it's also the saddest and happiest moment of my life. I'm going to go spread my wings, metaphorically speaking. Bye, son. More literally, I'm going to spread my nude body south for a moral reason. Okay, go. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to go now, Dad. Okay. Thanks for all your support. You're welcome. It's really been, you helped me think this through. Yep. So I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm being very consistent. Do you not want to go? Like maybe oh, I'm, I do. like because you headed, keep saying you're going, but then you don't. You're not leaving. You're still standing right here. I think I'm on the way out. Dad. Like the door is right here. Do you want me to open the door for you? Because doors are kind of technology, and you don't want to turn the knob. I would appreciate to... that. That will okay. help. Yeah. Here. There we go. So there it is, the outside world, and here I am, still on the inside, completely nude, saying but, goodbye to my but dad. heading outside. On the way out. On the way out. All right. See you, Dad. It's been a slice. It's been great 
growing up from a baby to an adult man who still lives at home with you. Here I go. Yeah, it's phase two. Phase two of my son's life. <laughs> phase two, here goes. Here I go, Dad. I'm on my way out. It's the easiest choice I've ever had to make because it's right. I'm not scared. The life ahead of me is easy. Here I go. Here I am on the lawn in front of my dad's house where I've spent my whole life naked heading south. Here I go. Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned a minute ago that I wanted to return to, I wanted to not gloss over, was you, you mentioned phones and how the process of creating phones might be contributing to environmental damage in some way. And that general principle, I think, is really important when we're talking about naive techno-optimism versus not naive techno-optimism, which is the understanding that all new technologies tend to come coupled with new problems. Like all this amazing communications technology we have is great, but is it leading people to be enclaved in, in these sort of incestuous groups of people who don't participate in discourse outside of people who already agree with them. Or, you know, the gasoline-powered engine was this great invention that allowed us to traverse the earth at these amazing speeds, but the smoke and the carbon dioxide from that and from the Industrial Revolution in general is what's causing this climate change. So, we use these technologies to solve the problems that present themselves to us. And then there's these side effects, these other effects of the technologies that are more problems. And so then we need to figure out how to alter the technology to not be causing that problem anymore or invent a new technology to patch over that problem and figure out how to reverse the negative effects or cease contributing to them. So I think the naive techno-optimism position is often one that just says, all we have to do is fix these problems that are laid out before us, and then we're going to have utopia, we're going to have this perfect world. But the non-naive techno-optimist says, well, we're probably not going to reach this perfect utopia ever because all these new technologies we're inventing are going to come along with new problems, and we're going to have to then work on solving those, which is actually a good thing because it's good to solve problems. It makes us feel useful and like we have something to aim towards and that we want to do. So yeah, I don't want to talk about all the benefits of technology without also implanting in there that they come with costs that are often hidden costs until we discover them later on because we don't know everything. We don't understand everything and we're just figuring shit out as we go along. But so far, we've managed to stay ahead of that curve and avoid catastrophe <laughs> of global proportions. And I, I think that we can keep doing that. I think that's the optimistic position is that we can solve these problems faster than they're created. Um, and so far, I think that's been borne out in the real world. And I, I think technology or not, our impact on the world is really big and there's always kind of unintended consequences from what we do. In the same way that fossil fuels are contributing to climate change in exchange for us having all this incredible capacity to transport things around the world, transport ourselves around the world. If you look at pre-rational societies or, or um, like ancient societies, hunter-gatherer societies, 
they caused the extinction of megafauna. In any continent where the enormous animals that live there, so like giant sloths, enormous armadillos, horse-sized rats, like there used to be all sorts of crazy shit on Earth. And in any continent where humans didn't evolve alongside the megafauna, like in Africa, in Africa, the animals know to not fuck with humans because they evolved alongside humans and learned about how much animal how, how much how good we fuck- are at fucking up other animals <laughs> that attack us yeah but like in north america where there was like woolly mammoths and and fucking uh, wild camels all this types of shit that you, you don't even think about like camels as a north american thing but there used to be camels in north america when humans got over there the camels saw humans they're like oh these little pink things right. they're not a threat i'm gonna go back to doing my camel business and then we literally killed them all <laughs> We killed them all and there's yeah. no more. And I mean, you could argue that we did that with technology. I'm sure we used some tools and things like it wasn't just our naked body against their naked body. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, uh, but that also, that gets to the root of the, that technology is humans. Like humans yeah. aren't humans without technology. Yeah. The reductio ad absurdum of like an anti-technology position literally means that we have to walk around the earth naked and not use any tools not sharpen rocks like maybe we can throw rocks at things but like that's about it other than that we're just like we're using technology and it's okay it's a little optimistic but it's not blind it's not based on nothing for me to say that with technology we could bring north american camels back if we wanted to that potential exists that potential is not even that far off we could find genetic information from now extinct north american camels now extinct north american giant sloths and then literally just make them alive again Like repopulate the earth with megafauna that our ancient ancestors made extinct. That's the trajectory of science and technology that's so fucking amazing and inspiring and that I hope you're not sleeping on. Don't sleep on that. And it's funny because that's the kind of thing that seems like so final, like such a problem that has become insoluble because these animals are gone and have been gone for, I don't know how long, hundreds of years. But that's the like the amazing thing about technology, about about the science, I guess, this continual expansion of knowledge and understanding and ability to manipulate the world around us is that it makes things that were impossible possible. And so... When people talk about like climate change, which was part of the original question, and and can we end climate change? And have we passed the point of no return where now certain bad things are inevitably going to happen? I'm always a little bit skeptical of that because we just don't know what potentials exist. Like the environmental movement dates back to the 1970s, I think, but when it really took off, uh, like we've only been really working on this problem of, hey, let's not fuck up the earth for 50 years. Like it's, it's not that long of a time. And we've made a lot of progress and we have a lot of people working on it. So to be so pessimistic as to believe we've already fucked up the planet beyond repair to me just seems really stupid, like just ignorant and poorly thought out. Yeah. I mean, in one sense, tools are kind of neutral and like you can use a hammer to build a house or you can use a hammer to murder a baby. The hammer doesn't care either way. It's just a hammer. But at the same time, tools are inherently positive in that the pre-hammer society, you don't have the choice to build a house and the post-hammer society, you do have the choice to build a house or at least with the method that hammers are involved in houses. Yeah, you right. could build houses in other ways. Without hammers. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. the existence of the tool itself is actually incredible. 
So the, the existence of the environmental movement, we can directly attribute to science and technology. Although sometimes there's idealistic ideas of, say, like ancient societies where people lived in harmony with nature and they only take as much as you need and, and this type of stuff. And there is, I think, some evidence that some ancient societies did have beliefs that are kind of like that. Yeah. But at the same time, there's evidence that other pre-rational societies, like other ancient historical societies, literally thought things like, I killed this elk for food. This is the same elk I killed last year. They believed that yeah, it just came back. It that some, yeah, somewhere out there, there's a spawning point <laughs> where just fully formed elks pop out of, and it's that elk's fate to be killed by you repeatedly. And like that was their religious kind of spiritual belief of the world, which does not it doesn't really work with stewardship, like stewardship of the earth. And and I think some of that idealizing of past societies of like oh they lived in perfect harmony with nature is based on a sort of ignoring of what we've been calling the cruelty of, of existence of, of raw nature on its own, because nature on its own, even without it, we've said humans just never happened. Nature doesn't exist in harmony. Forests burn down, floods happen, entire continents are covered with ice, species grow to populations too large and extinguish themselves or kill other species entirely. It's, a, it's a, a constant gets into a river that that river is not used to having that fish and that fish fucks all the other fish to death yeah like it, it's just the state of nature is not one of all these animals living in perfect balance and harmony it's this continuous human showed up like uh, i made a spear <laughs> like it's like, oh, that spear is ruining everything. If only the human was naked. This <laughs> is continuous flux of disaster and and reconstruction and death and rebirth. And like, there's just, it's, it's not harmony. It wasn't like all the animals holding hands and singing in circles uh, while in the sunny meadow. To the extent that there is like the existence of these peaceful, harmonious spaces on the planet, they either happen by accident in nature or by, by happenstance, let's say, in nature, or they happen because we have created them. We've created buildings where we can sit and talk to each other in a comfortable temperature and sit on these padded couches. Like, we've created harmonious spaces, so many of them all over the world. And nature on its own, if, when it is like that, is only like that temporarily it's fickle. Uh, and on the cruelty angle, I mean, like if you were a human in a society that was lower on the technology scale than we are, and you're born with bad eyesight, well, then fucking tough luck. Like there's a lot less stuff you can do forever. And you might just die because of that sometime. Yeah. But like now we have glass, we can measure what's wrong with your eye and then put this cyborg implement on your face. And this is a cyborg implement we've had for like hundred, like a hundred years plus now. Yeah where they put the cyborg implement on your face glasses and it's like, oh shit, now I can actually see, see just as accurately. good or better than anyone else. Or like in hunter-gatherer societies, there's no wheelchairs. If you're born with legs that don't work and allow you to stand, 
you just die. Like they're not going to carry you around either. Like they yeah, literally you, just kill you or bury you or have some sort of ritualistic thing they do you, with you. Yeah, you fall off a cliff uh, on your like when you're 23 and break your tailbone and become a paraplegic and you can't walk anymore. You're gonna yeah, stay at the bottom of the cliff. Like you're you're a big fucking burden now. Like it's not. You, <laughs> I was actually I'm reading a book right now. Um, it's it's our our book club pick of the week. Uh, it's called Sapiens: A Brief History of Humankind, and it's by Yuval Harari. Yuval Noah Harari. I'm just partway through it, but I've started reading it and really captured my imagination with his description of hunter gatherer societies and the transition to like the agricultural age. Because the argument that he makes is basically. In these hunter-gatherer societies, everyone had more leisure time, had much healthier social relations. They only spent a couple days of work hunting and gathering. The rest of the time, they were socializing, gossiping, having fun, building relationships. They spent a lot of time with their family. So there's like this utopian side to the hunter-gatherer. But then also it just has this super cruel dark side. He gives an anecdote about this hunter-gatherer tribe that was actually hunting and gathering up until the 1960s in South America, where like there was an ugly kid that all the other kids were making fun of. And so they just buried the ugly kid alive to stop wasting time. Right, because it wasn't, it wasn't going to have a good life anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was regular to like, if someone got sick and they're going to die just leave them under a tree. Like they're just going to die there. We're not going to try to make them better. We're not going to carry them with us and be like, I'm with you, man. Like, yeah. And we're talking about infant mortality and saving babies lives. But sometimes if like times were hard and people didn't have a lot of food and you know, you can't have an abortion, there's no birth control. You just like, okay, the baby comes out and maybe the baby goes under the ground and we never see the baby again. Real fucking decisions like that have to be made when you don't have the cushion of, well, of course this baby can be, if I don't want this baby, I can give it to social services and someone else will take care of this baby and give it food. And <laughs> and yeah, and what's crazy about these people when we're talking about this, these very different cultures, because by necessity, by the cruelty of nature, they just need to have a different relationship to each other than we in this technologically dense society have the privilege of having, which I, I mean, I prefer, like, I think that giving as many people as possible a dignified and meaningful life is amazing. It's it's incredible. That abolition of cruelty is something that we should celebrate. But these people, not only would they just fucking kill their old and disabled, I mean, uh, this is a generalization based on hunter-gatherers in general. Not only do they have all these seemingly kind of cruel practices, but their brains were as developed as ours. They had senses of humor. There's actually some evidence to show that they might have had more raw intelligence power than we did for like knowing their environment around them and stuff. Like these were human beings, like fully human human beings. Like these aren't slightly down on some evolutionary scale or something. Yeah, like, like some car caricature of a caveman with like a heavy brow ridge, and he's like, oh, did you? Yeah, like. <laughs> I killed disabled. Bah, bah, bah. No, like this is a human ass human. Like, and for me, what, what really resonates with it is that they had senses of humor. Senses of humor was important to them. Like it was part of their culture to be funny. It's just, it's really bizarre. And what's different between now and then is only technology. This piece of humanity that's outside of ourselves is this project we work on together that transcends generations, that all of our innovations stack on top of each other and stuff like designs, blueprints, maps, 
engineering the scientific method and pre-existing evidence from the scientific method is all of this like shared body of information that's just collecting and collecting and growing bigger and bigger and making the human superorganisms body of intelligence bigger and bigger with each generation. Yes, this huge cultural edifice that we build upon and that we build everything new that we build is based on those foundations and the foundations grow and get larger and more sturdy. Yeah, and actually, I was going to say earlier about the printing press is like, not only did I write something down that can be reproduced a bunch of times and then spread around the world, but it can be reproduced a bunch of time and then spread around the future, spread into the future. Like, for example, at this this garbage podcast we make, which is total crap, the, these audio files are going to exist after we die. Like, even if we try to take them off the internet, like, they're just out there. Yeah. And that's, like, that's incredible. My 7,000 DeviantArt posts, it's not up to me whether or not they continue to exist after I die. They probably will still exist. Maybe you could sign into the account and individually go and delete every single one of the 7,000 posts. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy legacy that's being left and it's 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 expanding at a, this exponential rate now that we have the internet like you're talking about your deviant art posts so it's just like stray conversations that you had with people are now recorded I, I don't want to say for all of history because maybe like server crashes maybe the that data will be lost but like so much data is being accumulated and Every conversation you've had on Facebook, all your emails, all those things exist per, in perpetuity into the future. Future historians are going to have a lot of a lot of data to go through to try and figure the, out what the fuck happened. But yeah, the idea that like, because if you think about in the the far past when people were just have ideas and like maybe tell them to their kids and tell their kids to pa hey pass this on to your kids too, but it's like and then three generations <laughs> later they all believe that elks are regenerating somewhere for them to kill a second time. It's like oh that's not what I said, <laughs> but I'm dead so I can't like correct you and like you don't have a book I wrote about how elks don't re regenerate. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's um, a form of time travel. Time travel just into the future. And it's not really you, it's just your ideas, but it's still amazing to think about. I've just got a report of a nude man walking on the, uh, the highway here. I'm just heading out. Oh, I don't know if that's him. I'm just turning on the siren here. Sir, sir, excuse me, sir, sir. Uh, hello? Uh, can you hear me? Uh, leave Are you me okay? alone. Uh, Bye. sir, I need to talk to you. I've gotten a few complaints. I'm the... leaving. I'm leaving, okay? Just don't worry about me. I'm okay. leaving. Okay, I can see that you're leaving, but you're naked and your hair's all messy. And yeah, you're just... naked. It seems like you maybe clothed. haven't eaten in a few days. You're looking pretty skinny. Are you... Are you okay, sir? I, I'm I've worried been, that you have mental health issues. I've never been better. I've never been saner. The rest of society's distorted and wrong, and I'm right. I'm on the right path, so just leave me be, okay? So this path, this highway that you're walking down, this is where you want to go, sir? I'm doing great. You enough. don't look great, sir. <laughs> leave me alone. Please don't raise your voice to me, sir. I'm just trying to respond well, you know what? to I'm a report. To you. I know what you represent. I know who you are. I know what you're here for. You're afraid of me. You're afraid no, of sir, what I represent. Sir, stop waving your hands in my face. Don't make me put you in handcuffs. Uh, uh, handcuffs? Yes. What is that? You a don't know what handcuffs are? A technology. Oh, yes, sir. Somehow technology. I'm not surprised. Why would you be, sir? Because you are a gatekeeper. You are a gatekeeper 
of the technocentric society, you see me renouncing the technocentric society, cutting the cord, becoming uh, a I'm free gonna, man. I need some backup in here. What are you talking into your shirt? That doesn't make any sense. Leave me alone. I'm leaving. Sir, I don't think I can let you leave. You are a danger to yourself I'm and others. I'm a danger others. to no one. You are obviously you are. Your mentally society unsound. Is a danger. Your uh, society is a danger. Your little shirt talking, danger. Your handcuffs, danger. Your car with lights sir, and sir, sounds, please, d- danger. I just need you to, can you come over to the car with me? Just lean up against the car. Come up against your totem. Come to your totem of your religious fixation on your technocentric society. If that's how you want to see it, sir. Uh, No, thanks. I'm Um, heading south. The direction you're walking in is actually northeast. I don't know if you knew that. Don't lie to me. I am heading south. I've been heading south. Do you have a compass? (laughs) Do I have a compass? (laughs) You're insane. I got three words for you. Leave me alone and then i got two more words bye bye okay i'm just gonna grab your arms here i'm gonna Stop just get up, up against the he's, car he's uh, just gonna he's not get this handcuff okay got one hand on the other hand on stop. please stop struggling stop, stop struggling sir. you're weak and i'm much stronger than you are <coughs> you know i just please we're gonna get you in the back you're, of the car we're gonna get you the help you need we're gonna get you to a hospital we're gonna get you part food. of society I am a part of society, and society's here to help. I just want to help society you, and that's why I'm going to put you in the back of this car and repress. With, let me guess, you want to put me inside some sort of room? The back of the car first, and then we're taking <laughs> oh, you down no. to the jail, and then from there you'll get the medical attention you need. Yes, it will be in rooms. I don't need any medical you... attention, and I don't need rooms. Okay, sir. Whatever you say. You don't need rooms. You don't need rooms. That's fine. I'm just so just, take see the how this got this off. door open, and we're just gonna get you inside the back seat. This is, it looks like a little room car. to me. It's can it's not a room. It's a car. Can you take this off my body? It's a, uh, can we just it's against get, my morals? Okay. If you bend the knee here, if I just oh yeah, I can. Yeah, you're pretty weak. You can't resist that. So if I just put your yeah, leg inside i've given up on physically resisting but i would inside. like to convince you with the strength of my ideas if you'll give me an opportunity and the door is closed okay great now i'll just walk around the front of the car and we're just going to drive to the station now so could you um, drive me south uh, take off these cuffs well this then police station is south of here because i'm going to have to turn around on the highway and go in the opposite direction you were going which would be taking us southwest so that is south but we're gonna stop going south when we reach the police station and you're gonna be processed by our law system okay well i'm pretty much giving up on resisting at this point because well, you are I'm in starting the back of a to, cop car i can feel no. myself fa- starting to fall asleep but yeah if you need to sleep please please have a nap i you, definitely you will out. i just want to make my position really clear to you i condemn this um, and I just also request if when I wake up, if you could have some food for me, I haven't eaten very much at all in the last several weeks since I became free. Is it all right if this food was prepared using technology? No. Hmm. If you could f- get someone to forage that f- uh, for me, but, uh, I'm just going to have a quick nap, but I just want to make it clear that I'm against what's happening. And don't call my dad. I don't want him to know that I was in a, in a car or anything like that. Uh, okay, sir. We don't. Yeah, we don't usually contact the parents of adult children. So thank you. That means a lot to me.
So in fully acknowledging that technology in itself won't save us, but technology is in a sense part of us, we can't just have a technological revolution without also having a social revolution. If we truly want to save us, a very open-ended thing, but saving us, I think, would involve abolishing cruelty, pain, fighting climate change, having a society that works together for the betterment of all, allows human beings to thrive, etc. You know, the whole utopian shtick, etc. There's a, some really incredible technology that seems to be right around the corner that has really great potential. One of the things is there's the rise of this anti-immigrant sentiment, this kind of xenophobic uh, reactionary nationalist movement that's coming up in a lot of countries at, at once. Uh, it's powered partially by the internet. And a way that that can be fought using technology is with the existence of translation software and having the ability to actually speak and relate to people who don't speak the same language as you. Like the Babblefish from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's where they put a little fish in their ear that translates anything coming in and so they can speak in their own language but hear in their preferred language. Um, and there's technology that's really, really close to being able to do that. Like if you go on Google Translate, like sometimes you'll get better or worse results. But if we had that capacity to say, if someone's like super afraid to have foreigners coming into their country, but we're also facing like these climate migrations and then there's that tension arising as so these new immigrants to a country, people who are already in that country who are xenophobic towards them, they can't relate to each other and that creates conflict. Yeah, a huge part of that conflict is just that they, like, and this is one of the major gripes you hear from anti-immigrant people. It's like, oh, they come here and they can't even speak the language. And it's like technology can completely just circumvent that problem to the point where like the star trek translators that they all just have on them at all times which is why aliens all all speak english is because the federation has this technology that just listens to what they're saying knows how to translate it into english and they just have conversations like you said like the babblefish so like this is very feasible already via text i think chat clients that auto translate exist in very prototypical beta type situations. They're still not good enough to really be like fluid, but getting very close. Uh, and then once we figure out the text version, the voice version isn't going to be far behind. And then once you figure out voice over internet translation, then you can start thinking about real time apps and things like headphone voice systems that could make it work in reality where if you meet someone in your country and you say hey and they're like oh no speak english and you like turn on your little thing and then you can just have a conversation with them it probably would even just already have it on and not say no speak english at <laughs> a certain point yeah but it's a, it's a huge part of overcoming these innate sort of separations between cultures is the ability to all speak not one language, but to speak many languages and have them understood in many languages. Uh, I feel like that's under the kind of social crisis cruelty file. Another thing under that same file is life extension, medical technology that will allow people to live longer, even if they're living with disease. This stuff's right around that corner and also around cruelties, uh, lab-grown meat rather than 
killing and torturing animals. In our recent vegetarian episode, we got a little bit into how gross and horrifying the production of meat can be. With mm-hmm. lab-grown meat, you can eradicate that cruelty and provide food for people. Similarly, um, algae is being looked into as like a food substitute where you can have big tanks where you produce algae and then make like a soylent type uh, nutrient dense drink that's made entirely out of like this microscopic sea organism. Another thing is uh, moving beyond wheelchairs, paraplegic exoskeletons. So like having robotic body augments that allow people who don't have mobility in their legs to have mobility in their legs and stand up and walk around, use stairs. Yeah, like yeah. Rather that, than having to install ramps everywhere, or like, like it's great that in Vancouver, I'm sure many cities, like our bus system is fully able to accommodate people with wheelchairs. It stops, it lowers down a bit. A ramp comes out. The person with a wheelchair can get on. Um, but like, if they once they have these exoskeletons, they can just walk onto the bus, much like any other person could walk onto the bus and. And that makes things a lot easier for them and for everybody. Just I want to make a side note of if you understand that technology is an extension of humanity as part of what makes humans humans, you can see that technophobia is a form of misanthropy. And also, like this example of these these exoskeletons for the disabled um, or, or wheelchairs, you could see that technophobia is also just an endorsement of cruelty. It's an endorsement of, of allowing vulnerable people and hard situations to have a situation that's harder than it needs to be where we have the capacity to eliminate the cruelty of someone's experience and give them more fulfilling lives yeah and i mean like we're coming up with ways to help people who can't see see to use artificial implements that can take in visual data and push it into the brain and the visual cortex and allow them to create pictures. Those kinds of things are under development. We already have basically what I just described for people who can't hear cochlear, imp- cochlear implants, which I don't know how to say that word, are a thing that already exists. You see these videos on YouTube of people like turning it on and being able to hear for the first time and breaking down into tears. And like, it's beautiful. Yeah. So much of technology is about helping people to live better lives, helping people who are born without some ability to regain that ability or to gain that ability for the first time. I feel like I've been reading and seeing about this stuff for a long time, but like having mechanical arms that are controlled by your brain, it's interfaced with your brain where if you, uh, if you lose your arm in an accident or something, this is in like beginning stages right now, but in the long term, you're going to be able to get a mechanical arm that for the most part acts and moves like a real arm and that you're able to control with your brain as if it were an arm. Like yeah, that's it just responds crazy. to the same kinds of nerve impulses that a flesh body, normal human arm. And the, the, the primitivist position is, no, dude, you just don't have an arm forever. And then you also probably die because of it. <laughs> yeah. Going going back to the climate change thing, like you mentioned algae, algae for fuel. That's one thing that can help with climate change. There's also oh yeah, different- yeah, they're talking about being able to turn algae not just into food, but turn it into like oil that can be um, burned or used as energy. Yeah, that might actually even contribute to climate change. I don't know if it burns and creates carbon, but, but there are ways to remove carbon from the atmosphere. And turn it into fuel and burn it. To- <laughs> yeah, and also to turn it into soil, to topsoil, because 
that's one of the main things that's missing in areas that are, are desertified, that are desert, is that there is plant material, there's carbon, there's there's dead things in the ground that other things can crawl around in and eat in and grow, and the plants die and they become more of the soil. Like soil is this carbon-rich mixture of rocks and dead things that allows life to take place. So by collecting carbon and turning it into topsoil, we are able to not just take carbon out of the atmosphere, but we are also able to take harsh environments and make them more habitable. That gets into a whole like terraforming area mm. of technology, which is something that's in extremely preliminary stages, but definitely within the realm of possibility. Yeah. And like geoengineering, uh, yeah. changing the climate to make it more hospitable. Like I've seen drawings or like renderings of these like ships that are at sea that like go around the earth at sea and take water and then using these huge chimneys on top of the ship push up water vapor into the atmosphere mm. um and i think they call it cloud whitening but the idea is like you're putting more water into the atmosphere to intentionally create more clouds which then reflects some of the sunlight and helps moderate the heat yeah and if there's anyone who says like hey it's wrong to mess with nature like that i gotta tell you we've been doing that forever there's actually modern evidence that shows that the amazon rainforest as it currently existed as we know it like this really really dense jungled area of the earth exists as it is and was because of hunter-gatherer early humans interacting with it planting trees and creating their own types of soil like this is interacting with the atmosphere to make it more hospitable and humans actually consciously participating in the collective evolution of earth goes back since time immemorial yeah and i mean again without that we run into the cruelty of nature question again because even if we solve human created climate change as like climate change deniers love to point out the climate changes without our input like ice ages have happened in history and extremely hot and dry periods have happened in history and if we don't want all of north america covered in an ice sheet when this next ice age comes we have to figure out some ways of interacting with the climate of the planet in a way that benefits us because i don't want all of north america underneath an ice sheet so ever natural. again i it, it is natural and i think it's it's not the best for us and it's not the best for all the plants and animals and nature that exists already on this continent as well so it's like again like nature isn't this perfect harmony that we're fucking up nature is often cruel what other what other technologies like 3d printing at home fabrication <laughs> we can just list things off we haven't even we haven't even talked about automation and the ability to, of like automated laborers to yeah. free us from that potential just like we've talked about it a lot from work in general as a pause it's on the frontier like when we're talking about the social crisis and and how technology can interact with that we could uh, remove the need for mandatory labor of human beings in the long term the sun is like this enormous nuclear power plant in the sky and we're getting better and better at harnessing that energy there's new innovations there like solar glass where you can have windows in your house that collect solar energy or solar paint where you actually just paint the outside of your house or the outside of something and it turns the entire house into a bunch of solar panel like micro 
micro solar panels. Mm-hmm. There's so much. Vertical farms can help uh, produce adequate food for a growing population where you can collect more sunlight with a farm than having it spread out all across and, and use less land, which is also crucial as we expand our population. There's, I've read about drones that plant trees, like just automated drones that just go around dropping off trees, right. planting them in addition to or rather than humans planting trees. You can just have flying machines going around, dropping off trees and making sure that there's enough trees. <laughs> yeah, replanting like burnt down forests, logged forests. Like, it, yeah, the potential there is, is massive. And we can go to fucking space. Yeah. Next step, Mars, then even more things. <laughs> other space. I'm like, what else is there? More and things, like, I know other the space. other planets in our solar system, but like Mars seems to be the only one we could really like chill on. But like there's other solar systems out there. That'd be so awesome if we could terraform Mars to the point that it was just like a second Earth and there were just like two completely mm. habited planets it would i think i think the one thing you wouldn't really be able to do is like change the gravity so it would always have this like kind of like lighter gravity um, same with the moon like you could i don't know if you could terraform the moon you might have to like live in bubbles or something like that are heated but that's also a total possibility it, yeah it'd also be interesting to like if we're moving animals from earth over to mars and then just seeing them adapt to lighter gravity and like change right and- yeah yeah over the generations the ways that their bodies would change there's this sci-fi show called the expanse which i only watched one episode of but one of the interesting things about it was that the people uh, born and who lived their entire lives in space are these kind of like tall skinny like like they look different from humans who born and exist on earth-like gravity because their bodies adapted over generations to the lower gravity of existing in a space station that the only gravity is like, you know, the acceleration of the spin, you know, how those kinds of fake gravities work where it's just the, the circle, like in 2001, a space odyssey or many things that you've seen using that kind of technology. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think like even how humans would change in that sort of scenario. But yeah, we're getting kind of like really out there, but just to point out that the possibilities of what technology can do for us and what we can do for ourselves using technology to get back to the framing of how we talked about it before is really, I, I I don't know if I could say infinite, but it's so vast as to be incomprehensible. Uh, to our puny imaginations at this point. And we can imagine quite a lot. So the potentials that exist buried within science and the application of science to the world, which is technology, is innumerable. Just like the amount of other things I would like to continue saying, but unfortunately, while we're out of time this week, it's been really fun talking to you about technology. To summarize my position on this, I think that we should be technophilic and anthrophilic. We should love humanity and technology. But at the same time, we should be realistic, not blindly utopian. You mentioned in the question, is it just stupidly utopian to to believe that technology can save us? I don't think it is. I mean, I think it's possible to be naively utopian. I don't advocate for stupid utopianism. I advocate for very smart and cool utopianism. (laughs) And I encourage you to 
come along and yeah while you're being with while, us. while you're being technophilic and and anthrophilic you recognize that neither of those are like perfect jesuses that just come and only do good in the world humans do bad things technology causes bad effects but those are not reasons to hold yourself in and, and give up and cry in a corner and, and wish that we lived in a world where babies who are unwanted get buried in the forest and people with no arms just have no arms forever. Uh, instead, it's a reason to see those as challenges to be overcome, to think of ways to overcome them, to try and implement those things, to problem solve, to do what humans do best, which is put your eye on the next horizon and head towards it. And now, seriously wrong, alternate universe time. Today, we visit Sean and Aaron in an alternate universe where there is no technology that exists for dealing with the problem of human fecal waste. Let's take a peek. Hey, uh, are you ready to record record the podcast today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just need to uh, take a quick shit first. So oh, sure. uh, can I use yeah. your bucket? Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's in the bucket room over there. And if you wouldn't mind emptying it out because it's warm in here, the whole place starts to stink up if we don't empty the bucket. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, it's like four blocks to the... Um, the shit hill? Yeah, the shit hill where everyone dumps their shit Yeah, in the city. Do you mind it like... I don't know. A lot of the time I'll just dump my shit in the back alley and let other people deal with it. Is that cool by you? I mean, it's not ideal but i do want to start recording so yeah yeah let's uh just just go ahead and do that uh don't do it right behind my building i just don't want people to think it was me so yeah yeah totally totally so yeah people don't usually talk about this kind of taboo but after you wipe with your hand Mm. do you wash your hands before you carry your shit bucket to the shit hill or do you keep shit hands for the journey to the shit hill and then wash after when you're totally done with shit no, yeah. I, well, I just tend to like wipe them off on the grass because I don't want to like get shit in the water pipes, you know? Oh, yeah. So I just like, yeah, I walk with the shitty hands to the chip bucket hill and then I find some grass nearby, maybe someone's lawn, and I just kind of like wipe my hands off on it. I got this friend, Steve. He's got such a fucking sweet setup. He's like really close to a river. Oh, So he'll just nice. pour his shit into the river and nice. then wash it away. Right, right. It's lucky duck. I oh, mean, if only there was something like, you know how we just pee down the pee hole in the house and it goes, it, mi- it mixes into the plumbing system and stuff. Yeah. And it carries the pee away from the house. And then, yeah. And you don't have to like worry about it. you have to it. carry a pee bucket to a pee hill. That'd be yeah, so that'd be weird. Or if like, pee time, mixed really. onto the shit hill, then it yeah. would just flow everywhere. It wouldn't oh, be a yeah. hill anymore because there's too much liquid. Yeah. yeah so would. glad we figured that out. The yeah. pee thing. Actually, my cousin Tom shit in the uh, pee pipe once. Clogged oh, it right no. up. I don't oh, know what no. he was thinking. That guy's kind of a kook, but <sighs> yep. I don't think it could be any other way, though. Yeah. No, I mean, we've made all these technological advances. We just never figured this out. And it seems like an intractable problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? If you move the shit hill, well, you got a shit hill somewhere else. It just shit exists. If and you that's keep kind of sh- a poo in your house, then that causes problems of his own. <sighs> I guess it's impossible to do anything else. Yeah. Well, you know. I'm just going to prep some stuff. You can go ahead and use the bucket. Uh, the handle is probably 
covered in dried shit from last time I used it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, FYI. So maybe even keeping the shit on your hand will create a barrier between your shit and my old dry shit. Perfect. And that was seriously wrong alternate universe time. Now, back to the regular universe. So this has been the Seriously Wrong Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, If you like our show, I'd strongly encourage you to go over to our website, seriouslywrong.com, S-R-S-L-Y-W-R-O-N-G.com, and use the contact form on our website to let us know what you think or leave a message and we might play it on the show. Also would strongly encourage you, if you love the show as much as we love you, send us $6 a month and check out all our bonus content. We steadily release bonus episodes, and so you're going to be missing some of the seriously wrong goodness unless you you hop on board as one of our our paid subscribers. We appreciate it so much, and everyone who does it is an angel. So if you're already doing that, thank you so much. There's about 40 of you at this point. I think it's it's incredible, and it just flatters me to death that that you do that. The the only way that we're going to be able to continue doing this into the future in perpetuity is if we're able to start supporting ourselves doing it. And so any support that you can offer towards that, it's, it seems like maybe it's a small amount, just six bucks a month. How, is that really going to help them do anything? It's like, yes, it really fucking helps. And so thank you. Thank you to everyone who is doing that. Thank you to everyone who is considering doing that and is about to do that right now. Who's heading to our website and clicking on the Patreon link, clicking on the subscribe via PayPal link. Both those options exist. And all you people who are doing that right now on your little computers are, are just so wonderful and we're so grateful to you and uh, yeah thank you for listening and particular thanks to our top donor that gives 23 dollars a month you are fucking cool if uh if everyone was like you then we it, it would make our world amazing if everyone was like you then six billion people would be giving us 23 dollars <laughs> a month and then we'd be the richest men Next time on Seriously Wrong, miracles will come to life. Men will fly across the ocean to visit foreigners in strange lands. The blind shall see, the disabled shall walk again. Women shall choose whether or not they have babies at any given time. Poo shall be transported away from your house so you do not have to deal with it directly once you have evacuated your bowels. Human beings will send messages to each other across the world and communicate with strangers they would have otherwise never met. Those living with pain shall have their pain cease and shall walk free of pain. All this and more on the miraculous next episode of Seriously Wrong.